Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Lee, you're still in that retail game. I'm sure you've noticed, man, that Christmas stuff, it's out early. It was out in like September this year. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie to you. I was fluffing Christmas trees, much like a fluffer on a porn set. I was fluffing. Whoa, 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 Lee. What? Lee. Hey. There might be kids listening. All right. Well, can we agree that the Christmas trees are coming out way too early this year? Way too early. Way too early. Just like Lee, the trees are coming out way too early. <laughs> Boom. Gotcha. All right. Mike, roll that. Funky wait, wait, wait. Oh, intro. No, uh, roll that music. Listening to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast, your one-stop shop for the outstanding, the unconventional, and the downright strange. Strap in because the boys are about to take a wild ride. I'm Funk Master B, setting up that tea for the duo of gum foolery. Your hosts, Dan and Lee. I believe in aliens. I mean, in an infinitely growing universe, why would we be the only living species? Bigfoot, messy, all that stuff, it's got to be real. How are we to say that we're the only ones? It's just ignorant. I think aliens are not only from other planets, but they're time travelers. Welcome back to Beyond Terrestrial, your home for the strange, the macabre, the conspiratorial, and all things supernatural. I'm Lee Errett coming to you from the Haunted Barn Studios in the Bell Witch's backyard, and I'm joined by my friend, my colleague, and as always, my co-host, Dan Martson. Dan, how you doing today? Really good, y'all. How's it going, Beyonders? I am recording just down from the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his infamous deal with the devil way down here in Mississippi, Lee. But tonight we are going to talk a little bit about the old volunteer state, Tennessee. What do you think? You know what? That is my new home. Tennessee is an amazing place full of a rich history and full of rich stories that we can pull from. Dan's got a couple, I've got a couple, and I'm really excited to get into this. But first, I think that we should probably have a quick discussion about our friends over at Simple Equations Media. Dan, yes, you Lee, know yes. way more about this than I do. <laughs> well, Lee, let me tell you, uh, Simple Equations Media is a 
full-service audio and video production company based in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, full-service audio video production means they can help you with anything, guys, uh, from film quality work, TV shows, uh, maybe you're an indie band looking to make a music video. They can do music composition. They can shoot a commercial for you guys. They can do it all. That full service from pre-production all the way through post-production, uh, the editing, everything. They edit this show, and uh, they make us sound good, Lee, so props to them. Heck yes. Heck yes. I'm excited to be a, have them as part of our team, or more importantly, be part of their team of uh, promoters, and I'm excited to have this partnership continue going forward. For sure, for sure. All right, Lee. Anyways, back to the old volunteer state, Lee. Lee, you know, I'm down here in Mississippi, right? And uh, we've got an election coming up for a new flag. That's a whole fluff. But Tennessee, I think Tennessee's got a great flag. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very simple. The three stars, Mm -hmm. the line, so good. It's beautiful. And the three stars... They kind of represent the three distinct sections of the stately. See, I didn't know that. This is why I've got a Jeopardy champion on this podcast to teach me things I didn't know. Well, well, you know, there's kind of like Eastern Tennessee's, mm-hmm. like the mountains, the the Blue Ridge Mountains, Smoky Mountains, yes. all that um, great spots up there in the Appalachians. Um, then there's kind of Middle Tennessee where you're at, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yep. Which is nice. Hills, rivers, very pretty. Uh, Nashville, Nash Vegas. Right? Nash Great Vegas. Place. Um, and then there's, you know, Western Tennessee, which, you know, has the bluffs and the Mississippi River um, and the blues uh, over in Memphis, most of which migrated from the delta of Mississippi up to Memphis. So... Um, it's a, it's a cool spot and yeah, it's just, um, three, like I said, three distinct sections, very different, but also, um, you know, part of the old volunteer state. Exactly. Well, and keeping those three special sections in mind, we have picked up three different ghost stories, one from each region of Tennessee ghost stories that like weren't quite worth a whole show so we decided to put them all together yeah exactly exactly decided to get both all of them together and do uh three stories to represent the three stars of tennessee beautiful beautiful so we had we have another show coming up that was on a serial killer but we just did a serial killer a tennessee serial killer paul reed jr the fast food killer And we thought putting two killers back to back might be a little too much of a downer, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. That's not exactly the most fun thing ever right there. Right Right. there, right there, right there. Hey, we're in October now. It is the spooky season. So let's roll into a ghost story or two, Lee. I think I'm going to kick it off if you don't mind. All right. Lay it down. Tell us a story, Dan. So my first story is from Middle Tennessee, and it is the Headless Conductor of Chapel Hill. Ooh. Chapel Hill, Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. 
<laughs> God, I wish I wish we could get that song in there for him. <laughs> like, yeah, copyright, copyright, copyright. I know. Um, but um, Chapel Hill, Tennessee. Um, Lee, you've been down there? Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Beautiful. Um, according to what I read, it's like very uh, small town, USA, like Mayberry sort of place. Yes, exactly. Really? Wow. Okay. That's what it well, feels like. See, that's that's one of those rare instances where a place is the way that it's built in like the tourism <laughs> flyer <laughs> on the website, right? Well, um, well to, to be fair, I mean, like, it'd be really hard to be like, well, <laughs> Burley, desert and shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I mean... Look, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be mean if it wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, sorry, Idahoans, but that's that's the truth about Burley. So there you go. Um, anyway, Chapel Hill, Tennessee, is the subject. Um, Chapel Hill is named after the city in North Carolina, which is home to the University of North Carolina and the Tar Heels. The University of North Carolina. One of the hats I got in junior high when I was trying to be one of the cool kids. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got you tried that. wearing a hat for a while to be a cool kid. Yeah, I was like the hat guy. Like I had a North Carolina hat and a Penn State hat. I still had that Penn State hat until a few months ago. I wore it too. Wow. I didn't care. Wow. Even though you knew nothing about Penn State or the University of North Carolina. Well, I I knew a little bit. Um, I knew that Penn State got like a massive degray disgrace thing going on with the coaches and touching the kids and weird stuff so yeah whatnots yeah there was some of that going on up there but i mean there's some of that going on lots of places so yeah there is anyways the town of chapel hill tennessee was settled uh in 1808 by folks from north carolina so they named it after a town in north carolina you know nice makes a little bit of sense uh, today there's about 1,500 people who live there. Um, nice small town, very quaint, very Mayberry, just like we've been talking about. But the town does have a bit of a history. Um, it has some notable residents. Uh, former governor of Tennessee was from Chapel Hill, but also, um, born in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, a gentleman by the name of Nathan Bedford Forrest. Lee, have have you heard about the exploits of uh, former General Forrest? So I I recognize the name, um, but I would not venture a guess at why I recognize the name. Well, you see, Lee, uh, <laughs> Nathan Bedford Forrest uh, was a general, a commander for the Confederacy during the Civil War. And after the war, he went on to found a little fraternal organization. The KKK. to wear white. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It only took me a he, second. Once you started mentioning that, I'm like, there it is. There it yeah, is. He was, he was the man behind that. So, um, yeah. Anyways, I mean, he was born there. It's not like he lived there his whole life. In fact, he spent quite a bit of time up here in the Mississippi Delta and gambling along the river in places like Memphis. So anyways, but that's neither here nor there. Who cares about him? He was a big giant asshole. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well put, Dan. Well put. You're a poet. You're. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I, I mean, that's about as succinct as you can put it. Nah, just got right <laughs> to the chase. It's great. Right. Um, well, in the late 1800s, the town of Chapel Hill, Tennessee, uh, had the railroad come through. You know, this is a big deal, Lee, when the railroad comes through town. Um, and it was a nice little stop on the route between uh, Nashville and Birmingham. Okay. Yes. So... And this is all, you know, decades before the interstate. Um, it had quite a bit of rail traffic come through the town. Freight trains, passenger trains. Um, and a lot of stories sprung up about the railroad in Chapel Hill, Tennessee. And this is one of the most famous ones. Now, the story's told a few different ways. Sometimes it's a passenger. Sometimes it's a signalman. Sometimes it's a brakeman. I like to use conductor because it just sounds like he's got more authority, right? Conductor. Yeah, he's the conductor. That's that's who runs the train. I love it. I love it. Right. And what other what other place has a conductor? Uh, orchestras. They have conductors. Uh, yeah. Okay. A orchestra. Like, there's no bus conductor though. You don't get on no. a bus and there's a conductor. No. Right. No, that that's pretty um, much it. Train conductor, orchestra conductor, and you're about it. Hmm. Can you think of anybody well, else? I don't think there's really uh, there, any there other are conductors. conductors in my laptop. I mean, I guess <laughs> I guess if you called uh your your group of musicians a philharmonic instead of an orchestra, right? That'd be one other way to be a conductor. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> All right, now we're splitting hairs there, Dan. <laughs> right, we now really are. We really are. Let's get back to Chapel Hill. Um, the stories about this sprung up around one particular sighting, or sighting with a D, not sighting with a T, sighting. That's a part of the rail line where it splits off mm -hmm. into two. Yeah. So like a train can pull off, and the other train can go by on the track. Uh -huh. um, so... The story goes like this. It was a winter's evening when the conductor stepped off his train at a siding just outside of Chapel Hill, Tennessee. They pulled off to let a passing freight train by. The conductor's job to switch his train onto the siding, then signal when the freight had passed. The freight train rolled by, shaking the stopped train on the shite on the siding the engineer waited up front for a signal but he couldn't see the conductor's lantern minutes go by assuming there must be some kind of a problem the engineer goes to see the back of the train he exits to check on the issue walks down the tracks and that's when he finds the conductor's body headless steaming from the neck freshly dead a broken lantern at his feet and the decapitated head several feet away lying in the middle of the tracks Ooh. Dun, dun. it must have been a cold night uh yeah that's the story oh yeah um, you said winter's you know, night i'm sorry I'm yeah it was winter it, you know there's got to be some mist rising off the body that makes it sound cooler i guess oh yeah well it makes it sound creepier um, Ooh. Yeah. 
so allegedly he's just waiting there for this train to go by. It's rumbling along. He loses his footing. Head falls on the track. Chop, bops, your uncle, see you later. Head's gone. So um, I I don't mean to be the guy that that debunks this, but I've seen train, like, wheels, right? The wheel of a train. I I don't think uh it would do a clean cut. Like, his head would be, like, like nose up like that and that's if it landed right on his neck right like dude yeah you would have to fall with like your neck and shoulders like on the track but you know what your head i'm pretty sure your head would come off because that train would just squish the rest of you so good that the head would fall off i guess if it was like neck and shoulders i was just thinking that it'd be too wide to uh to just catch the neck itself unless it was like a really long-necked individual (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty unlikely the story, but um, you know, headless conductor is the is the way to go mm-hmm. um, with a Lee, lantern. It's just it, it's it's oh yeah, he's got to have great. a lantern, Lee, because this is how the story persists. You see, Lee, years and years later, the story still continues because people still see the headless conductor. Walking up and down the tracks with his lantern, but no head. Bump, bump, bump. A ghastly apparition. Um, but even more believably is there's actually like multiple sightings of ghost lights in the area. See, that one I can kind of get behind. I have a bit of a hard time with apparitions while I can, I, I get it. Um, and and I, I can understand them to a certain extent. The apparition seems harder to me than just emitting a light, right? Like it, it feels yes, like yes. that's more realistic of what like a spirit could do from the other side. Yeah. Well, Lee, this story is still going strong. Um, I saw in my Google searching uh, a local news piece from 2017. So wow, it is well known out there. People allegedly ghost hunt out there, try and see the ghost lights. Um, there's stories that people have caught the apparition on film before. Um, but you know how, you know how filmed apparitions usually are. They're a little bit hard to make out. Yeah. I don't know if you saw my smile, but I started to smile real big when you said that, you know, how ghostly apparitions are. (laughs) Sorry. Right. Right. I mean, they just, I don't know. It doesn't always work out, but. Anyway, that's that is the tale of the headless conductor of Chapel Hill, Tennessee. And of course, as the interstate came through in the fifties, less and less people are on the train tracks. Um, you know, people just don't see it that much anymore. You'd have to go out and looking for it. Um, but just an FYI, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, train tracks are vast by the vast majority of them almost all of them in the country uh private property and uh you can't just walk up and down them that's actually trespassing really yeah 100 percent. i was always under the impression that trespassing only counts if you've got like malicious intent but uh no well the the train uh the railroad companies don't want you out there because you're a liability Fair point. Yeah, if you get hit by a train, you know, now they are 
all wrapped up in a wrongful death suit, blah, blah, blah. You're not supposed to be out there. But that doesn't stop people from going out there. Oh, no. When I was in high school, I used to cross a train track to get to school every day. Every day. Right in the middle of the train track. Didn't like We weren't at a crossing or any of that crap. Oh, no. No. Yeah. Well, and uh, when I worked at a seed warehouse down in southern Idaho, we dealt with uh, rail cars pretty frequently. So I'll have some stories for that in our after show show. Show. Guys, if you're not on Patreon listening to our after show show, you should be. Go check it out. So anyways, Lee, it's been about 20 minutes. Uh, Maybe we should uh, stop and take a quick break. Yeah. Mike, send us to break real quick. Hello, this is Michael from Pennyhaven. What is Pennyhaven, you ask? Well, Pennyhaven is my YouTube channel. On this channel, I share with the viewer some awesome coins from my collection and the new ones I pick up every week. I also have a bunch of informative videos that show you what to look for in your own pocket so you can realize the worth above face value in circulated money. I'll teach you how you can get silver coins for free or at face value. I'll even tell you how you can get a free piece of gold in the mail. Absolutely free and beautiful. So come on over, subscribe, watch my playlist of informational videos or anything that catches your eye. Send me an email to find out how to get some free gold and start getting the most out of your money. So please, go to youtube.com and search for Penny Haven. That's P-E-N-N-Y-H-A-V-E-N on YouTube. All right, and we're back. Dan, you told now, me... Lee. What? What, Dan? I'm, I'm stepping on your toes, Lee. Yeah. I just got done with my story, damn it. And now <laughs> it's your turn. Okay. Lee, Where? where's your uh, Tennessee tale from? My story comes from a little town on the east side of the state, just outside of Knoxville, Tennessee, called Bryceville, Tennessee. And my story, actually, I got my story out of the... Um, Courier News out of Clinton, Tennessee, which is a nearby town. Um, And it is the haunting of Drummond Bridge. Now, Drummond Bridge, um, go figure. Guess what that is, Dan? You want to know? Do you you have a guess? Um, Is it a Drummond Bridge? It is a Drummond Bridge. But guess what kind of bridge it is? Is it a railroad bridge? Oh, yeah, it's a railroad bridge. So many railroad stories. Oh, cool. um, isn't a Drummond like a, like a, a big round piling? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I For the bridge? Maybe. Maybe that's why they call it Drummond Bridge. Yeah, that's what I, I mean, that's what I thought, but yeah, okay. that's whatever. Um, it, it's uh, the site of Old Drummond Bridge located in, off the Bryceville Highway. Now, according to local historians, there's a notch that's still visible to this day that can be seen on the trestle indicating the exact spot where a noose was looped around the wooden beam of the bridge more than a hundred years ago. Now, this legend is about a man that was hanged, um, and he was hanged uh, and continues to haunt that site. So that noose mark, it was looped around the bridge more than 100 years ago. The rumors behind why the man was hanged vary by generation, but for 
more than a few longtime Bryceville residents attest to have a personal experience um, on the bridge. Okay, Lee, hold on. Let me just interject something here. If I had a nickel for every creepy old railroad bridge in the South that someone had been allegedly hung off of, I'd have a pile of nickels. Well, I mean, bridges are so popular. Um, hanging was so popular. Oh, it was back in its day. Yeah, that is um, true. So, I mean, any, like, perceived slight, um, and in some cases, any um, random look in the wrong direction um, could incite a hanging. So, um, yeah, we won't discuss true. who that so, was conducted on, but we'll move on. <laughs> so, tell us, tell us why this one happened. Allegedly. Well, first of all, this bridge was one of several locations across the state um, included in the most haunted places in Tennessee, according to a 2009 study conducted by paranormal experts. By paranormal experts. That's what it says. It doesn't give like a name of it's just paranormal experts. (laughs) Paranormal experts, capital P, capital E. No. Trademark. Okay, okay, we're going to do that. Like, trademark paranormal yeah, that's, experts. Yeah, that's going to be us. Yeah. <laughs> the that's, most... our, that's our next business venture. We <laughs> called it, you assholes. Don't take it. Yeah, fuck off if you think you're going to take that shit. <laughs> dibs. Dibs. <laughs> dibs. The most documented story behind the paranormal activity um, is traced back to the deadly to a deadly brawl between a pair of roughnecks during the immediate aftermath of the Coal Creek War. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there was a, it wasn't exactly a war, but they call it the Coal Creek War. Um, essentially, okay. it was a battle between miners and the coal companies in order to, disputing um, whether the miners would be paid with cash or with company script. Back in the day, the miners were basically indentured servants. Um not mm-hmm. even quite like almost less than that. The mine would set you up with a house to live in. They'd provide you with food. They'd provide you with all this stuff. But every dime or everything they provided you with, they charged you for at a premium. So in the end, you were breaking even at best, right? Um, in many cases, right. you owed them money after working for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So the miners went on strike. Dan, you got any yeah, thoughts we, on there that? There were. There were, like, a ton of company towns up in North Idaho, like, uh, mining towns, lumber towns, all run by companies. So, like, the company town was not an uncommon thing. The town where I went to high school was a company town. Um, Much better managed, but, I mean, we talked with Kalila Wright back in that Grizzly Ghost Stories about the labor issues they had had in that area. So, yeah, I mean... Labor, company towns, it, they just go together, you know, the strife. And yeah, there you go. Anyways. It was, you know, it was really the driving factor behind unions and how unions are so important in um, in the 20th century. I feel like there's some changes about that over time, but I still feel like unions are very important. Um that's personal opinion that does not reflect the opinion of any of our affiliates, Dan or the show. (laughs) 
you know, uh, yeah, labor unions not quite the same as they used to be, but that's uh, again very vital in this uh, time in history. So continually, okay. So eventually, all but one mine came to terms with their miners and relented to pay in cash. The Tennessee Coal Mining Company um, actually refused. They started bringing in um, unskilled miners from the local jails, um, specifically out of Knoxville. Scabs. The veteran miners, in response, um, converged on a mine to gain control and stockade and stockade and turned the convict miners back to Knoxville. A militia was called in to restore order and the bloodiest chapter in Anderson County's history was the Coal Creek War. In August of of 1893, soon after the violence of the war, a miner named Richard Drummond was hanged by a band of mercenaries after Drummond reportedly killed a younger soldier during a brawl at a rival alliances or over rival allegiances in the war. Shortly after the hanging, the stories began to circulate throughout the then bustling mining town. The Drummond ghost haunted the railroad trestle where he had breathed his last taste of mountain air. Legend has it that on certain nights you can still hear the sound of a strangling and desperate man gasping for air at the bridge. Dude, that is creepy. Now it gets even deeper because the legend goes on. Legend has it now that Drummond's ghost will pace from one end of the bridge to the other at the stroke of midnight at the dark of the moon. I don't know what exactly that means, but yes. So maybe like when there's a new moon? Maybe. Oh, yeah, that would probably be a good one. Um, Once the ghost reaches the end of the bridge, it's said that he disappears into the darkness and the sound of a swinging rope slices through the night air. Longtime Bryceville resident. Once again, I pulled this from an actual interview in 2012. Longtime. Okay, hold on. One thing: the sound of a swinging rope. I don't. Yeah, like that. That's about it. That's all. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) That could be so many things. (laughs) Yeah, there's just not a lot of sound to a swinging rope. I mean, you know, sorry, but. You you would you would hope it would go back to the gasping, right? Like that would at least help, right? Yeah, that was way creepier though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. So longtime Bryceville resident consulted the, for this story, um, still lives near the bridge, and he says he's seen and heard enough to believe something about that old ghost story. He says I'm not superstitious, but I've seen things at that old bridge, and I can't ex- That can't be explained, he said. He cited, for instance, mysterious behavior of animals near the bridge as one of the unexpected occurrences that leads him to believe that the ghost stories have been at least some sort validated. There are dogs, he says, that run all along the area, but you'll never see a dog cross that bridge or really go anywhere near it, said the man. Considering by most or considered by most locals to be one of the area's most knowledgeable historians, there's also cattle that graze in the field below the bridge. Um, so this bridge is like over like a valley and, and cattle 
graze below it. But the trussle area directly below the bridge has to be mowed, even though the cattle graze in the field, because the cattle won't even go underneath the bridge. Really? Yeah. See, now that's that's intriguing because cows are dumb. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> like, so, like, so for them to be in tune to anything is uh, a minor miracle. Fair point. The strange animal ha- behavior was apparent last week, according to this article, uh, when v- visited to acquire photos used in this story. A pack of vo- barking dogs followed a pair of visitors through the adjacent field toward the haunted trestle. But as the group neared the bridge, the dog suddenly turned back as if eyeing an invisible electric fence from 30 yards before coming up on the um, dilapidated wooden structure. So basically what that means is animals won't even go near this bridge anymore. So kids will go out to this bridge and, and, basically try to dare each other to walk across it. Once again, this is a train trestle, not the safest thing to walk across. Um, it's dilapidated. It hasn't been used in years. So at least you're not like worried about a uh, train going by, but word to the listeners, please don't go out there um, just to investigate. Or if you do, don't go onto the bridge. If Dan and I ever caught ourselves out there, you know, the last place we would be actually on the bridge. It just seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, dude. You ever see Stand By Me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. Hmm. There's a bridge in, in uh, every movie. <laughs> in the movie, yeah. Walk down a tunnel, the train comes. Yeah. Go on the trestle, the train comes. Yeah. There's a uh, there's a bridge in Louisville that regularly has people die because uh, there's supposedly a ghost out on that bridge, and that train trestle is still active. These people will go out onto this train trestle and not have anywhere to go and end up dying because of it. Um, people that have survived that experience have like clung to the um, railing underneath while the train went over. But you have to understand these trains are long. Like you're looking at miles worth of just clinging to life. Basically it's not a position. You oh yeah. Dude. Be in. As, as it shakes. Yeah. As it shakes. Oh yeah. Hold on to that thing. That's not a position Ooh. I ever want to be in. And anybody that I know I ever want to see in. Yeah. I'll take a hard pass. Yeah, exactly. Stay away from the train tracks. My friends, apparently you get beheaded, yes. hung and turn into a ghost. <laughs> dude. Yeah. That's the moral of the story right there is don't mess around. Exactly. So, well, that's a neat one. I like how that one intersects with like actual history that a lot of people might not know about. Exactly. That's what I really loved about the story. There's actual history there. Um, that Cold Creek War, that is a huge part of um, of the of history. Uh, like basically people were being exploited in this time and uh, mining towns, company towns. It was all exploitation, um, much like what we're. Never mind. Yeah, well, you know, the people back then all had to join together and stand up and say, hey, you know, we don't want to work six days a week, 12 hours a day, busting our butts for no, literally no pay. Yeah. Like no cash, like just like store credit at the company store, which they immediately write you off. Like the first thing you go to buy. No bullshit. 
Yeah, like it um, wasn't even that. It wasn't even that it was store credit. It was, and it was fair prices. Like, no, they would mark that crap up. They would make it so yeah. you you didn't have any money at the end of the day. Yeah, you load sixteen tons. What do you get? Another day older, and deeper in debt. Deeper in debt. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't call me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> I liked it. Um, all right. Well, we have hit up Middle Tennessee. We've hit up Eastern Tennessee. It's time for us to turn our eyes westward, Lee, towards the Mississippi, the Old Man River, Mighty Mississippi. Well, hey, Dan. So. Before we do that, we're coming up on just about 40 minutes. Is that what your time clock's showing us? No. <laughs> okay. 32, but you know what? Let's take a break. Let's do it. You already called it, so now we're breaking. All right, we're going to go to break. When we get back, Dan's going to tell you about Western Tennessee. No, is it Western? Western. Western yeah, Tennessee, another ghost story from out here in the Volunteer State. And hey, hey, back. hey, I'm going to step on your toes this time because you stepped on my toes last time. So I have absolutely <laughs> nothing to say. I just felt like I had to interrupt. <laughs> Dan, go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, turnabout's fair play. That's fair. <laughs> so now, Lee, you've been to uh, you've been to Memphis, right? No. Really? You haven't been to Memphis? No, I need to get out there, but I haven't been there. Wow. Um, well, I mean, you're missing a little bit. I, I, I feel like I'm missing a lot. Yeah. I mean, they got a basketball team. Do, do they? Yeah. And they've got this, uh, like, Bass Pro Shop that has a pyramid like the Luxor in Vegas. Like, it's huge. That's crazy. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Next time I come it's, down to see crazy. you guys, I'm going to see, um, or the I guess... The first time I come down to see you guys, I will <laughs> check it out. Yes. Well, this ghost story takes place in Memphis, Tennessee, oh. home of Elvis. Yes. Um, but it doesn't involve the king, even though he has been cited in Memphis numerous times. Well, that's because I'm, I'm sure the impersonators are rife down there. Well, yeah, but also his ghost allegedly still, you know. Haunts Graceland. Ah, it's you know? not a ghost. It's an impersonator. Um, hologram. <laughs> they paint him blue like Scooby-Doo. Yep. <laughs> it's old Mr. McFeely, the janitor. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang, these meddling kids. Um, oh, oh, I would have gotten away with it, too. Uh-huh. If it hadn't <laughs> been for you uh, meddling kids. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. Oh, Hey, oh, all right. One more thing before I start this story, Lee. Have you ever seen Bubba Hotep? Ooh, with um, 
Bruce Campbell. Bruce, Cam- Bruce Campbell. I was going to say the guy from, uh, oh, man, I can't even remember that now. The Evil Dead. The Evil Dead. I watched that series. It was a pretty good series. I also watched the movies, which was also pretty good. Dude, you got to check out Bubba Hotep. It is a classic. I, I, we'll go to Memphis. We'll go to Graceland. We'll watch Bubba Hotep. It'll be a whole thing. Perfect. All right. All right. Cool. So this story takes place in Memphis, Tennessee in 1928. So this is a number of years before Elvis's residence in the Bluff City. Um, it takes place at a theater called the Orpheum, Lee. That just sounds weird. Now, Lee, I'm, get, I'm getting all my stories from a book called Ghostly Cries from Dixie by Patrick Fitzhugh. Um, and Mr. Fitzhugh also does a great uh, Bell Witch website. He's got a Bell Witch book out. It was a great source for us. Um, go check that out. Anyways, um, <laughs> the Orpheum uh, Lee is named after the Greek character Orpheus. He was the most talented musician of ancient Greece, according to myth. Okay. Uh, in fact, he went into hell and played his lyre so beautifully for Hades that uh, he gave up his girlfriend. Uh, Orpheus's girlfriend had died, and he went to hell to get her back. Um, and then he got to the top of the stairs, but that like the girlfriend turned around and looked back or something, got sucked back to hell, and he, uh, you know, died tragically because. That's how Greek myths work. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Greek myths are... If it's not tragic, it's not worth it. No. But, um, you know... Oh, shit. I just bumped my mic. Um, <gasps> that's how... Yeah, I know. I'm terrible. You know, Orpheus, Orpheum, Music Theater. That's that's the name. Um, and it was actually part of a chain of, like, vaudeville theaters. Um, and it was all part of a circuit, so all the theaters were named Orpheum. That's something you'll see, Lee, if you go, like, uh, back in the day. Most of the theaters all have the same name. They're, like, all the Orpheum or all the, you know, the Baiju or something like that. They just all have the same name. So, sometimes because they were part of a chain of theaters. They had chain theaters back then? Well, I get, never mind. We've got Regal and um, AMC, so I'm going to stop talking now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would they would all work in the vaudeville circuit, and that circuit would go to the chain theaters around, so it would have certain acts signed to it. Okay. Um, and this theater, in its day, hosted uh, the likes of Duke Ellington and Sammy Davis Jr., uh, jazz legends, comedy legends. Um, George Burns allegedly worked this theater back in the day. So lots of folks. Um in the 1940s, they switched over to motion pictures because that was the more popular form of entertainment. Um, but as the years went by, despite being a grand old theater, uh, it fell into disrepair in the 70s. It was refurbished uh, throughout the 80s. And now, Lee, they have uh, Broadway shows there. Well, off-Broadway like shows. Like touring Broadway well, the touring Broadway shows. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's cool. Maybe, yeah, maybe we could go see like uh, 
Hamilton or something when we go there. That'd be cool. Hamilton would be nice. I thought you were going to say yeah. Cats, and I was like, nah, I don't want to watch that. I saw the movie, and I was appalled. I will not see that movie unless it is the butthole cut. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh. <laughs> uh, there exists out there somewhere the butthole cut of cats where all the characters have digital buttholes. Um, I think that's worth it. That would make an amazing drinking game, but that's <laughs> every, just me. Every time so, you see a butthole or every time you see Taylor Swift's butthole. like <laughs> Oh, finish your drink. Um, <laughs> but, that is terrible. That is terrible. Anyways, oh, we're gonna do this cease and desist letter from Taylor Swift from one uh, comment. I know, like, <laughs> I know. Um, I I don't think honestly. I think she wants to distance herself from cats as much as everyone else who is in that. So she probably won't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> she might actually be like, you know what, do it because that's the only way this movie's gonna make any money. <laughs> <laughs> if it becomes a cult classic with buttholes. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, the. The story that I'm about to tell about the Orpheum Theater takes place in 1928. So this is way before Cats, way before uh, the movies were big. This was a long, long time ago. Um, and in that time, they would show plays and on the weekends would have a matinee for like kids because back in the day, you couldn't really bring kids to the theater except on special at special times. Makes sense. Kids are annoying at the theater. Right. And especially like when it's all a live production, mm -hmm. like kids can only be limited to certain times. So, um, Fair point. The, the main character of our story is a little girl named Mary. And she loved the weekend matinees at the Orpheum. She was very excited for a play they were putting on, and her family loaded up on the train from a nearby city in Mississippi. Uh, they lived just on the Mississippi side, um, and went into Memphis early that morning, grabbed some breakfast, uh, did some window shopping, and they got in line for tickets, right? Well, Mary got a little antsy, Lee. Uh, you know, kids. So she went across the street to a shop while her parents waited for the box office to open. And in the window was the prettiest little doll she ever saw. And it, it was already surrounded by a group of gawking girls. And they're all looking at it. And she just loves this thing. And she wants to buy it. Now, Mary's parents... Part of the reason they took her to the children's matinee was so they could sit her down for a few hours while they were in town and not have to worry about her buying up everything, right? Because <laughs> you know how kids are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I want that. I see that. I want that. Anyways, um, she just had to have this doll. And with the crowd around it, she knew that it just wouldn't last until the matinee was over. So... She decided to dash back across the street to find her parents uh, so she could get the money to buy this doll. Well, as she was running, she tripped over the trolley tracks in the middle of the street. And in her rush to 
go see her parents, she hadn't seen the trolley coming. And the driver tried to stop. It was too late. And he, he ran her over right there on the road. Oh, no. Now, yeah, tragedy, tragedy. Um, now, she didn't die right there in the street. Um, a crowd of people, including her parents, they all rushed to help her. Um, they scooped her broken body out, out of the road. And they decided to take her inside. Um, and they go inside the theater. The lobby's fill, filled with people. So they take her into the auditorium and they sit her down in a chair and they're waiting for the doctor. Um, but Mary, Mary expired right there in one of the seats of the theater and never saw the show that she came to see. So allegedly, according to folks many years later, Mary's ghost could still be seen in that seat. And not just in the seat. Sometimes she'd be seen in the basement. Sometimes she'd be seen in a hallway. According to the tales, she had a particular affinity for the balcony and the upper areas of the theater. So a ghost of a little girl haunting the theater. Um, Allegedly right there in the seat she died in. You know, so pretty creepy. And the thing is, Lee, um, you know... It's not like she'd be there all the time um, or like during the shows and stuff, right? Like if you had gone there to watch a movie, you'd sit down, maybe you'd catch a glimpse of her. Um, But for the most part, the times when she was sighted were during like rehearsals um, or cleaning or the renovations that they've done. Numerous renovations to this place. Um, so a lot of construction crews, um, those sorts of people are the ones who tend to see the ghost of little Mary. Well, they're in there at strange hours, hours that are different than what, um, the average, um, viewer is going to be in. Um, so I can see that making sense. Very true. Now, also Lee, um, according to the legend, right? She never saw the play she came to see. Maybe uh, this this show, you know, you can imagine a nineteen a nineteen twenty eight play. Not all of them are still popular today, right? Mm-hmm. So the question is, if someone did a revival of this play, would that satisfy her spirit? Ooh, does anybody know what the play she was waiting to go see was? Uh, according to. The Ghostly Cries of Dixie book. It was a play called Sunny Days. Petition to the Beyonders. Revival of Sunny (laughs) Days. Right. That'd be good. You know what? They could just have like a local theater production put it on. Oh, yeah. Um, And there you go. It could be kind of like a like a nice little exorcism for the for the space. Yeah. Let the girl go free. Um, let her into a uh, better place, theoretically. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, she's a kid, so crazy. Could you imagine, Lee? Of all the places to haunt, though, a theater would be a really good one. It's a very phantom of the opera. Hey, you guys. 
a very Brady podcast. Join host Tack Van Sickle and his guest each week as they hilariously dissect the iconic TV show, The Brady Bunch, one episode at a time. He was so creepy, though. I was like, I he's like, I guarantee you, if they could have really done the show the way they want to do it, like he was going to have a cup to the door listening in that night. <laughs> in their room. A look back at a simpler time where everything was groovy. <laughs> so her kids almost wrecked their marriage. Her employee shames her and she like thanks both of them. It's awesome. So grab your potato sack and head out to the backyard for some fun. She's in her own room. Like, what did we like, tell what? her about sleeping? <laughs> like they went and got the entire family for dad to pick her up and put her in her bed two feet away from the desk. And obviously before they did that, they also said, family, go get your bathrobes. Everyone needs to be in a bathrobe. A Very Brady Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere podcasts are available. They have some compromising pictures of Alice that they could have used uh, to blackmail her and keep her there. Um, I've seen those pictures, and Alice is hotter than you think. I'm going to just put that out there and say it. Uh, that blue dress doesn't do justice? Uh, no, it does. For, for me, that blue dress does everything. Far out. Poor You're man, a bad man, Tack. You're a bad human. There's a lot of weird in this show. This is Dan just letting you know that we had a little audio dropout here. So from here on out, you'll be hearing my backup audio. Uh, thanks to Mike Roop, our editor, for saving this. Uh, sorry about the audio quality, but we are going to get right back to more Tennessee Ghost Stories. Thanks. We got a theater. We got a bridge. We got a train track. We got a bridge and a train track. I think we hit most of the major ones. Wow, yeah. I mean, well, see, and the thing is, Lee, uh, with these stories, I mean, there's a train track in, like, almost every town, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a railroad bridge near just about every town. Yes. Um, any town that has any size has a theater. Yes. Uh, or at least most most people in the country have been to a theater, right? Yes. Until this damn pandemic. Yes. Dan so, took a yeah, drink I mean, at that moment. He felt the need to take a drink. Yeah. They're, they're classic, they're classic uh, settings because they're ones that anyone can relate to. Absolutely. And you're right. And particularly here in the South, Lee, um, you know, we've got tales of a lynching, um, you know, miners in the mountains of eastern Tennessee. That the lynching was surprisingly of not of a black man. So I'm proud of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, well, there you go. Um, see, very progressive in Tennessee. <laughs> well... Vigilante justice, but it wasn't racially motivated. So, well, there's some stories that it might have been racially motivated. So I, I left those ones out. <laughs> oh well, you know what? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it's the South, and that was a certain time, and I think that's, um, I think that's part of what uh, gets these ghost stories sprung up is the kind of violent history of this area as a whole um i mean the whole country 
has experienced some kind of violence in its history. Um, but in the South, there's a very, a very tangible, like historic setting to it all. I don't know. It's history in the South is differently. I can't explain it as a Westerner. I really can't. No, it really is different. It's it's kind of tangible. Uh, the hard part about the South is um, there's so much wish of people to maintain that history, but so much of that history is also riddled in racism and violence and different things like that. So it's so hard to balance the positive um, in the South. In the North, it's a little bit easier because you don't have that stigma of uh, racism attached to it. And in the West, it's even easier because most of the West wasn't even really settled um, until uh, later. Uh, Then you have the racism revolving around the Native Americans rather than um, blacks, but still. Well, and I think in the West, um, what you get a lot of is like the native history has been glossed over so much mm-hmm. that it's it's very hard to connect with. Yes, yes. Do you know, I recently learned that the term Sasquatch was not a Native American word that we've been termed to believe. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that was just some anglicized thing that they used. Um, it was you know, some terrible attempt at matching whatever, uh, word it was from the, uh, Native American lore, but it wasn't actually even close, really. Oh, Like Sacagawea and Sacagawea. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We just, we can't get it right. Um, but that's, that's what you get with a language barrier and then with people who just don't care, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a sad, that's a sad fact of it. Um, yeah, the, the, the South is different. Um, maybe it's the, uh, maybe it's the swamps, maybe it's the cypress trees, maybe it's the hills, um, the river, the muddy rivers, um, the creepy graveyards. Like, I don't know what it is, but it is the, the history rings a little bit different here. And, I've heard some people uh, say maybe it's associated with the ground. Maybe it's in the earth. Um, remember, we went back with, um, oh, my gosh, um, the holy water incident. Uh-huh. William Dorian. Yep. Yeah. Bill Dorian. Um, yep. And that was that was part of our discussion. Maybe there's something in the ground out here um, that makes that makes it different. That leads to a lot of these strange cases um and especially when you you have a case like uh in chapel hill you know there's there's ghost lights there's apparition sightings there's alleged pictures um in in yours lee at that drummond bridge you've got weird animal reactions you've got people hearing things in the night Um, we've got people who see a figure in a empty, in an empty theater house. Mm -hmm. Um, like there's a, and you know, who knows, maybe there's some suggestion to it, especially in a place like a theater, which is going to be really creepy and dark, Mm -hmm. uh, when you're there by yourself, but like a place out in the open at night, uh, like a, 
you know, just a simple stretch of railroad near a town shouldn't be nearly as creepy. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that I really and and I hate to go back to mine, but I really like about mine is there's so much animal strange behavior, right? They're not going to be influenced by the stories. They're not supposed to be influenced by, you know what I mean? But they, right, very they true. refuse to go near that bridge. It's strange. Yeah. If I had a nickel for every time I told a cow that the barn was haunted and they just didn't care, I mean... Yeah, I'm like, sure that really uh, happened. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. You're right. Um, I'm telling and, you, though, if you know, I was a farmer and my cow refused to go in the barn, I'd be like, you know what? Maybe I won't go in the barn. <laughs> like, I'd be like, stupid freaking cow. I'd just shoot it. I hate cows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what if it was your dog, though? If your dog refused to go in the barn? All right, no. All right. Now that's a whole different story. Dogs are smart. See, see what I'm saying though? Like the same thing applies. We're yeah, talking dogs about dogs and people relate. Like I can relate to a dog in a way that I cannot relate to a cow. Um, so if a dog is acting a certain way, that is going to hold a lot more weight to me than uh, a cow. All right. So I need to know your opinion on horses. Ooh, wow. Um, Horses, I'm split. Horses are smarter than cows, for sure, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is a lot of people have horses now, and they have them like pets, mm-hmm. like a big dog. Um, a horse needs to work, right? If you have a horse for a purpose, if you ride it, if you show it, if you breed it, um, if you enjoy it, Um, If you do rodeo, like whatever you do with your horse, awesome. But if it just is like out in the pasture most of the time doing nothing, um, what's the point? Okay. So now I know your opinion of horses in general, but do you feel the same about a horse? Like, do you feel like a horse is smart enough to interpret like, like your like strange behavior from a horse would make you worried about the situation? Um, you were, no, it depends on the horse. Um, some horses are very skittish. Okay. Fair point. But um, see, I'm saying so, strange behavior based on your knowledge of said horse. Yeah. Um, honestly, most of the time, if I saw a horse that seemed like it was spooked, I'd just be like, the horse is spooked. You know, okay. I think, oh, maybe there's a snake. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like ghosts wouldn't come to mind. Fair point. Um, probably the same thing for a dog too. Uh, you know, if a dog was acting funny, I think, well, maybe there's another animal somewhere. Right. And I would be on alert, but I wouldn't go to ghosts first thing in my head. Yeah. But my experience with dogs, because I've got a dumb dog. Um, if, I would only think there was another animal. If my dog ran literally towards the situation, 100% of the time. <laughs> like, it doesn't fucking talking. matter with my dog. Yeah, that's true. Uh, our dogs have uh, have murdered a few skunks in their day. Yeah. Um, and you're like, why did you run to the skunk? <laughs> you right. know what this does, right? Right, right. It's so, not good. So right? I, uh, and, my girlfriend. And then they come and lick you after they've eaten oh, a yeah. skunk, man. Oh, not yeah. a good time. Oh, yeah. So my girlfriend has a little like 13 pound wiener dog 
and it hates Dana, hates her, hates my dog, hates really? my dog, right? But every time she sees her, he runs. She runs right up to him. Every time. Wow. Well, she know, knows his reaction, that, but she gets right up in his face like she's trying to piss him off. To be honest with you, dude, dogs are funny like that. Dogs are funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there you go, guys. Um, what? All right, what animal? All right, we're going we're going way out on the limb here. What animal would you think would be most in tune to the paranormal? Go. Ooh. For as much as I don't want to bring up cats in general, I feel like cats are probably one of the most in tune to the paranormal. Yeah, I'm uh I'm kind of picking up what you're putting down there with cats. It seems like they would have a better a better feel for it than any other creature. Um, so yeah, the domestic house cat guys props to them. This is the one thing that cats probably better at than dogs. Exactly. Like, and I do think the dogs aren't far behind cats because you have the occasional time where your dog just runs into a fucking wall. Cause it's a dumbass. but maybe mm-hmm. it's chasing something like a ghost. So, well, interesting, interesting stuff. Um, who knows where all these ghosts come from throughout the South, but wherever, wherever they are from, whatever they're doing, uh, we wish them the best. Um, <laughs> we'd like, uh, we'd like to shout out one more time to our sources, uh, ghostly cries from Dixie, Patrick Fitzhugh, Lee, what was yours? Mine was the Courier News from Clinton, Tennessee, and this was out of the October 28th, 2012 issue. Props to them. Props to their reporting. I love I love good small town reporting. That's always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's vital in this day and age. Support your local newspapers. And um, honestly, this one was well written. I liked it. Yeah, props. So, guys, this is a great story, a couple of great stories. Three, in fact, to represent each section of Tennessee. Um, Lee, do you have any uh, final words on the volunteer state and uh, hauntings? Dan, I got nothing. I really have nothing. You're welcome. We've covered it all. We've covered it all from the mountains of the Smoky Mountains down through the rivers of Middle Tennessee all the way out to the old man river, big muddy, the Mississippi. We've, we've gone across the whole state guys. You can follow us online, um, at our Facebook page. Just search for beyond terrestrial at beyond the letter T pod on Twitter. You can search for our title sponsor on Facebook, on Google and on Twitter at uh, simple, simple equation underscore um or you know what just give them a call and go consult with them in las vegas they are good guys they do a lot of great work for us props to mike and his team over there thank you guys and as always you can check us out at beyondterrestrial.com or find us on any of the major podcasting platforms guys keep listening for more tales from tennessee and out there, beyond terrestrial.
thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial, all three of y'all. If you're still a fan of this show, follow Beyond Terrestrial on social media and join the Beyonders Facebook group for even more strangeness. Links to everything, including previous episodes, are available at beyondterrestrial.com. That's the place to go for stickers, merch, show swag, and our Patreon. Patrons get exclusive access to ad-free shows, giveaways, and the unedited after-show show. Anything you give to the show goes straight to Funk Master B's bachelor pad, which for now is also where these jive turkeys record this show. The show was edited by Simple Equations Media with music by Mike Root. Dan and Lee will be back next Tuesday with more from Beyond Terrestrial.